Welcome back to NALP's Young Professionals Network podcast, Growing in the Green Industry. Your hosts today are myself, Miles Caparis of Include Software, and Luke Melangrano of Mariani Landscape. How's everything going, Luke? I'm doing well today, Miles. How are you doing? I am great. It's a beautiful day here in D.C. Lucky you. (laughs) (laughs) We've Um, had a lot of rain and uh, cold weather here in Chicago. I think I've seen the sun about two or three times in the past three weeks. So we could use a little of that sunshine around here now. Well, we have a guest that might bring some sunshine into your life. Uh Uh-huh. Would you mind introducing her? Absolutely. Uh, Our first guest speaker is someone uh, I've known for many years and someone who uh, I feel has great insight to the industry. Um, A 20-plus year veteran of the professional landscape industry, Jen Myers brings a unique perspective to her role as Senior Director of Workforce Development at the National Association of Landscape Professionals. She holds a Bachelor's of Science degree in Horticulture and Environmental Science from Virginia Tech. Jen has embraced the wide variety of experiences available in the industry, from digging irrigation ditches and installing seasonal flower displays to managing staffing for a $50 million a year full service landscape contractor, to providing consulting services and recruiting and retention support uh, to landscape businesses across the US and Canada. Jen loves the Jen's love of the industry and desire to share the plentiful and fulfilling opportunities available led her to the National Association of Landscape Professionals, where she is tasked with developing and executing the industry's much needed workforce development initiatives. So from here, please welcome Jen Myers. Hey, Jen. Hey, Miles. Hey, Luke. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. How are you doing today, Jen? I'm great. I'm in the, the same camp as Miles, where we have some sunshine here in Maryland and some great weather. And, uh, have done away with the uh, frost warnings and the snow for now. That's good it, to hear. It's a good life. You should, you should try it out sometime. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Luke, thanks for that introduction. That was really well put together. Um, so uh, Jen, just to give you a little bit of history on our podcast. So uh, our last episode, we talked about the pros and cons of working from home and in the context of our industry and how we're dealing with that. And it was a really good conversation. So I think a good place to start off of that is I know in your world, you're dealing with a lot of students and how they're learning. Uh, have, have you seen any insights on like what's working, what's not? Can you talk a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. Kind of curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think I have a lot of different perspectives. Um, I have a 10-year-old daughter, so we've adjusted to her having, you know, work schooling from home and doing e-learning. Um, and then also then the NALP has a long relationship with a lot of different two and four year colleges. And, you know, for the most part, prior to this, horticulture and landscape programs did not have any online classes. Everything was face-to-face. So they all had to adjust and adapt very quickly and move to an online presence. Um, and, you know, we, um, we have a faculty advisory committee at NALP and a kind of a core group of faculty that we work with to help drive our initiatives and, and get feedback as needed. And what I've heard from folks in the last week or so is they feel like they've kind of come, they're kind of in a good place. You know, it's kind of crazy for a while, but they feel like they've um, 
they're to the point where they can um, start to further adjust and try some new things and they've kind of reached that kind of baseline of what needs to happen to keep online learning or keep the learning going, keep the, the programs going, the classes going. Yeah, that's got to be pretty interesting, kind of doing that transition from a face-to-face. So like what, what, what's been working? I guess, what, what does that look like? That's, I mean, how, how do you teach something that's so focused on the outside, not outside? Or yeah. in person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think the ending's tough, right? You know, I think everyone's kind of put it out their own way. Um, we are right now working to put together a, a time for those faculty that want to to share what has worked and not worked. Um, we're going to have that uh, that meeting, that Zoom meeting next month in May, and um, you know, maybe give some ideas for over the summer. But you know, who knows where we're headed? You know, they could potentially still be online in the fall, so maybe they could share some ideas there. Um, I have a couple specific things I can share with you. Um, one example comes from Virginia Tech from their floral design program, uh, which is, you know, for those not familiar, that class would be kind of your standard um, flower arranging, all different types of um, uh, arrangements, anything from a boutonniere and a corsage to a very large uh, display. And of course, the as you can imagine, the program uh, provides all of the materials from all the vessels that you use, all the plant materials that you use. It's all hands-on. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that was mm-hmm. a tough thing to adjust. And and um, they, for their first project, they said, okay, let's put together a simple line design out of anything you can find at your house. And we'll see what you can do. And the professor I spoke with, she said, I had no idea what to expect, but she said she was just floored with how creative all of her students were and you know some of the vessels included a wine bottle um, a glass milk jar um, an empty medicine bottle um, some folks uh, a fish bowl (laughs) Um, and then um, at some different types of vases and stuff they might have had around the house but and then the flowers you know springtime so there were a lot of daffodils and forsythia and other flowers um, they were able to find you know from their yards or even some artificial that's what they had available and you know I think you know she went into that thinking this will never work or you know not 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 high hopes for how that would be sure just so impressed with um, how quickly the students were able to adapt and how excited they got about being able to move forward and and do something and still feel very much like they were learning and part of that class nice that's pretty cool that's good to hear yeah i I mean i think that's uh, what uh what really strikes me with that is you know you're going to really bring out a lot of creativity in 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 these students and it's nice and refreshing to hear about that because we're in such a you know we're in an industry and a line of work where creativity you know some of the best designs are just have such unique creativity and uh it's it's refreshing to hear that you know these students are they're taking ordinary items that they have laying around their house or out in the out in their yards or you know as they go for walks down the street or whatever they find uh, something interesting and they're they're able to create some really unique and cool things that sounds i mean that sounds really awesome yeah, and I think too about how that translates to our industry, right? You know, you you go out and you're getting ready to put in um, a project, but you might find once you actually start laying it out and getting ready to install that, a tweak is needed. 
you know, and it's, it's an important part of, of being successful in our industry is being able to adapt, be flexible. Exactly. We, I was just having a, a conversation with a client the other day about that, how, you know, we put pen to paper and we, we do a design. Um, but a lot of what we do uh, is being creative out in the field and actually, you know, you can have that design. That design's kind of just a, a roadmap for you. And when you get out there, you're going to move things around. You might add something or change something that you didn't originally think of having within that design um, because it's, a, it's, you know, a living, a living thing. So, um, and, you know, what we do in, in a way is a sense, you know, it's a form of art. So you got to kind of <clears throat> play around with it as you're, um, you know, as you're putting out all that, all those pieces of the puzzle together. That's usually how the creative process works too. So it might be a good thing that, you know, there's kind of like forcing process change because it introduces new ideas and new thoughts. And it's like, oh, that actually might work forever because we never actually had a chance or an excuse to think about this way in a certain way. So yeah, yeah. I totally, yeah. totally get that. It's pretty well, cool. And, you know, and speaking of design, the other example I wanted to share was um, a senior from um, Penn State that I was chatting with the other day. Um, he's been heavily involved with NALP through NCLC and our student ambassador program at Landscapes and, and won several scholarships from the foundation. Um, his final project for his design class, um, they typically pick a, a local um, home up near campus and they go out and measure and, you know, go through their whole design process. And since they couldn't do that this year, they decided to do their own yards. So, you know, he's back home with his family in Maryland. So he's been doing a design for his yard. And he said, yeah, I wasn't sure at first, but he said, I've actually put more time and energy <laughs> into doing this design for my home, for my parents' home. I just, I feel more invested and I feel like, you know, I'm not losing anything um, that I would have had from having a, you know, face-to-face -face class for this or doing a project up near campus. Um, he said, I think I'm actually enjoying it more. So are these, uh, are these students that are doing these designs, are they doing hand-drawn stuff or are they, are they able to work within some sort of AutoCAD system right now that, uh, you know, that the university is providing them with or, or what, how are they doing these designs? I don't have an answer to that in this specific case. Um, I do know that the programs that we work with throughout the country um, have a combination of methods that they teach. Uh, for the most part, everybody teaches hand drawing and then um, CAD, it really just, it depends on um, those programs and then the expertise of, of faculty on staff. Um, I think that's why the relationships that we have with those suppliers, many of which support NCLC and the, and the events and workshops we have at NCLC are so important because it helps to, you know, translate that industry expertise um, to faculty. Not that the faculty aren't very well versed in experts, but, you know, they're not out every day working in the industry um, like industry professionals are. So, you know, that's one of the important things our association does is keep that um, education and learning flowing between all facets, all of our members, all the components and the people of our industry. Nice. Is there, do you, is there any like conversation that's happening between, um, I know that the trailblazer program exists, you know, for mentorship and stuff, but is there any like conversations that are happening in between like younger professionals who maybe are like four or five years, six years into their careers and students who are either in school or about to graduate, like, of saying like, hey, this is like how 
the real the real world looks like and um this is what you can do like right now in this time's change to prep or to like set expectations or to pull out of your classes is any of that happening or is that something that like what what are you thinking about that um i think a lot of that happens organically you know for those um students that are ambitious and forward thinking will kind of make that happen um, I have a couple students that I talk to on a regular basis because they've reached out to me and just kind of like to pick my brain and, and have a conversation. I'm happy to do that. Um, on our, we have a women in landscape network at NALP. And um, on our Facebook group, we have a mentorship option. And we've had us, you know, some folks connect there and, um, you know, reach out to, you kind of can put a profile in, you know, kind of, if you're looking to be a mentor or if you want to be a mentee and um, the the page will kind of suggest folks um, or some options for who you might want to connect with based on your interest and your experience. You know, the Trailblazers program that you mentioned is um, not, I mean, I could see something similar to that, but happening, happening in a way that you described, you know, maybe that's a, um, a good project for the young professionals network yeah i mean that's what i was asking i was using trailblazers <laughs> as like a, a model yeah yeah no i know it's, it's a good project for us to figure out but that's yeah you know that's what's part about the discussion like and i didn't know that like the women in landscape i didn't know that the women in landscape had uh you know the mentorship option i think that's it's a cool thing so we're always looking to build this community uh and making it more relevant and provide value i think that's kind of why we're having these conversations and um we're pretty passionate about it so um so jen um yeah yeah i know a few weeks ago uh nalp hosted the we were supposed to have obviously the nclc event this year which got canceled due to the due to the covid uh pandemic but uh you guys put together a virtual career fair um tell me a little bit more about that how that turned out what you're hearing from around the industry what you're hearing from some of the students that participated mm-hmm. uh and just you know the the overall uh thoughts on the event okay yeah we did host that um we had live days on april 7th and 8th and the live days were when the industry professionals and the students involved with the event could assume that um others would be participating so they'd have the time to you know chat um with those people at, at that particular time. Um, but the, the event is actually open until June 30th. So from now till then, students can still go in and, and watch workshops or um, send messages to the representatives at the career fair. So, you know, um, I know you all have been involved with NCLC, um, either, you know, help to, to run parts of it or um, participate in the career fair. And um, it's a very special event. And we were, you know, much like the, the schools and the students and the, the industry, we were really devastated when we had to cancel it this year. And as we were navigating that cancellation process, we thought, you know, is there something else that we can do? And, you know, to bring everybody together. So we thought, we thought you know, kind of what the heck, <laughs> let's give it a shot. You know, there's gonna be more virtual events we, you know, for sure over the next several months. So, you know, why not get in front of that? And we had uh, 40 companies participate in the career fair. We would have had just over a hundred on site. So we were happy with that participation. And then we were able to offer 12 different unique workshops for students and faculty and even industry that were interested to attend. 
and uh, we had um, an NALP resource room. So attendees were able to go in there and, and learn more about NALP. And we did have a section on young professional network and then a section on women in landscape and then also membership and certification. And um, the student attendance wasn't what we had hoped for, uh, but you know, there were so many, you know, there's just that, I mean, it seems different now, I guess, being, you know, almost a month out, but um, during that time, things were still so uncertain. And I think, you know, for, for college students that were navigating classes, moving online, and, you know, I've heard from a lot of faculty that they have some students that are kind of checked out, you know, they're just unsure of, of where things are heading and what may be happening. So they're not really, you know, focused on um, connecting with employers. But um, we did hear from employers that participated that the students they talked with were um, focused on um, job opportunities and continuing to network and knowing that, you know, we will get back to that new normal. And, and, and also um, able to hear that our industry is very, in most ways still very much thriving and yeah. as of a couple of days ago we are able to work in now all 50 states that's cool yeah and that's interesting that you say that because last last time that we had a conversation right luke we were saying that the people that will show up and the students that will show up to that event will probably be the ones that companies actually want to focus on right it kind of shows the initiative shows that like hey let's keep the ball moving forward even though we don't know what's going on, right? Because that's kind of what happens in, you know, at least at least in my career, that's what I've learned in maybe the past year is that you just got to keep the ball rolling. You know, you just got to keep it going and keep that um, keep that energy up and keep on pushing because you never know what opportunity will fall your way. And yeah, uh, I mean, exactly. It's, um, I participated in the in the career fair with uh, Mariani, uh, myself and Ed Ferner were there. Um, and you know, we had we had a good probably 15 or 20 students who we talked to over the course of a couple of days. Um, most of them were looking for internship opportunities. I think a lot of them, from what I had been hearing, were, uh, you know, with the state of everything going on right now, and especially back then, there was uncertainty. A lot of students I had heard were their internships elsewhere had been canceled or they couldn't go on them anymore. Um, you know, for us, it's, it's still, I think up in the air because we, we typically house the interns at a local college and you know, colleges are closed. They're not letting people in. So, um, but yeah, exactly. I think this, you know, it was, it was refreshing to see those students. Um, and, and I really agree with that miles that the companies who are participating, they're the companies that are pushing through, they're looking to grow. Um, they're look, they're going to come out stronger on the other side of this, uh, pandemic that we're going through right now. So, um, it's smart for them to align themselves with companies like that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So I'm, I'm kind of curious. Um, we've been talking a lot about students, but I know that, Jen, you've been doing some work with kids mm -hmm. and even going younger. Can you kind of tell us a little bit more about that? I'm, I'm curious on, on having that discussion or because I think that the, that's an interesting, it's, I don't know, it's just, it just seems interesting to me on how we're kind of tackling the program. And this might be something that the Young Professional Network can maybe help in or, um, mm -hmm. you know, let's like, 
I, I just want to know, like, what's the growth opportunities here? Yeah, just yeah, yeah. keep on well, talking until you start no, talking. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, um, we, so with NALP um, in our workforce efforts, we have had some um, collateral that we've produced that's uh, aimed specifically at kids. We have a coloring book and, and some other things. And um, we know that it's important to get young people interested in the industry. You know, and they say, oh, we have to target kids in high school. Oh, it's middle school. I mean, and we really feel we need to get kids at any age. If a kid can can listen and comprehend, they need to be hearing about our industry. Um, but what does that look like? So, you know, an example I can give is from, you know, I, we have a 10-year-old daughter and she's home learning right now. And everything she does for school um, is happening either inside or outside her house, right? or our mm -hmm. house. Mm -hmm. So if she's inside, she's learning on the computer, or her iPad and, and doing her classwork that way. But anything that she is doing um, tied to her science classes or art or social studies, whatever it will be, if the teachers are looking for a way for them to physically get involved, it involves typically going outside and utilizing uh, materials from the yard or hunting for bugs in the yard or looking at different plants in the yard, that type of thing. And I'm, I'm sure that's not unique to to our school system that um, as you know, when and where available that young people are spending more time outside and getting exposed um, to plants in horticulture more so than ever. And, you know, my own daughter asked me the other day, the difference between like the hosta that we planted and a tomato plant and you know, and I was explaining about a vegetable crop versus an ornamental crop and that type of thing. And, and she's like, mom, stop. I didn't need she's this. like, mom, no, <laughs> too much information. Um, but also, you know, it's, it's, it, we have, we have a, um, a large, uh, fruit, vegetable and, and herb garden here at our house. And, and she's, she's 10, she's helped with it for years. Um, this is the first year, I think partially because her age, but also we spend time in the garden in a very, um, in not a rushed way, you know, like we can go out there and we're not trying to jam in our time in the yard because we got to run off to lacrosse practice or a tournament, or we have to go, you know, drive here or go there or run here. You know, we, it's, you know, Saturday and we're off work and she's done with school and it's nice out. We're going in the yard. We're spending all day in the yard. And we uh, transplanted some hostas the other day and and, you know, we've, she's helped me plant things before, but for the first time we were talking about spacing, you know, I said, how do we decide where this hosta goes? And she said, well, we have to think about what the adult hosta looks like, not a kid hosta, because we need to make sure there's enough room here for when, in, and it's an adult hosta. And then we, um, we have a lot of deer in our yard and they love hosta. So I said, how can we protect this hosta so it doesn't get eaten? And she goes, well, can we use one of daddy's crab traps? And that way it can still get its sun and get its water, but then the deer can't eat it. And I mean, it was, fan that's just one example, but it was so fantastic to, you know, thinking even as a, a mom with a horticulture background who tries to push things like this, that I feel like we have the time now to really dive into it and, and expose her to that. I think that's the case for so many families right now across the country. I mean, you know, with me working in the Chicago area, you know, I see more families right now as I'm out on job sites walking around, uh, whether, you know, it's that client of ours or if it's one of the neighboring clients going for walks, um, you know, picking flowers, uh, you know, just being outside and in the, in the landscape in general. And, 
Um, I, I think, you know, we, we've even had a few clients of ours who have decided to cancel with us this year because they're going to be home um, because they want to try and tackle things themselves. Uh, they're, they're looking for opportunities of things to do um, with their free time right now. You know, they don't, they can't go anywhere. They can't do anything. And yeah, I think, you know, the kids being out in the landscape and it's a great educational opportunity for them. I mean, obviously I think all of us hope that when, when they get a little older, they're going to be in that industry or in our industry, if they're, if they're, you know, being exposed to that right now, but even still, it's just a, it's a great learning opportunity for them. I, I feel. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I do a lot of photography in my spare time and I'm finding that I'm using this spare time to just go out and walks in DC. And right now DC is kind of kicking butt with its bloom like cycle right now. And the tulips just came offline and, and you know, uh, the alliums are coming in and um, just, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty, it's pretty cool. And I've just, I've used the time to explore and um, to photograph, to photograph the blooms and the flowers and, you know, you just learn that way too, by just going on walks and getting curious about it. So Right. Yeah. I think we do, Tally and I have been doing a lot of walks around our community and of course she's getting quizzed on plan ID <laughs> and uh, likes to call my dad. Oh um, no. Who's a, yeah. Who's a <laughs> um, court lover and, and tell pop up all about the different um, plants that she saw on the walk and the different types. And, and uh, you know, I'm sure she's not the only one, right. You know, I, I, every time we experience that, I think about, you know, there's kids all over the country that are taking, you know, these walks or bike rides or scooter rides or stroller rides or whatever um, with their families and, you know, taking the time to absorb all that, um, those plants around them instead of just being in a rush to get their walk done because they've got to go on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's cool. Um, I, I know that there's something called Victory Gardens, and can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know that you mentioned something <laughs> about being outside and, you know, just, uh, just, I'm just kind of curious. Can you, can you talk about that a bit? Yeah. And... Yeah. So I can give you a little history on Victory Gardens. So they um, were vegetable, fruit and herb gardens that were planted either at private homes or public parks um, throughout the U.S., um, Canada, and then um, parts of Europe during World War I and World War II. And they were encouraged because they wanted to try to um, supplement the um, food that we had grown um, here in the U.S. and in other areas because there was food that was being, you know, sent to the troops. But then also um, in Europe, the, you know, farms and fields are getting destroyed. And so um, they needed to be able to um, you know, more food for troops and then more food for um, those, folks, those folks at home. And I was reading something the other day um, in World War II in the United States that like a third um, of the produce in the United States during that time came from these victory gardens, um, which That's is awesome. pretty... Which is pretty impressive. And yeah, that's, think, wild. that's yeah, wild to think yeah, of. Yeah. And you think, you know, you see all these, you know, posters, you can see these examples of these posters that they had, you know. Um, and it's, you know, it's, you, you know, when you think of the war, you know, World War One and World War Two, you know, you don't think about that. You know, you think about um, doing whatever you can to support the troops, but, you know, Victor Gardens isn't the first thing that comes to mind. And, you know, I think you know, we have a different type of um, 
push now and they're calling them victory gardens, the resurgence of the victory garden, but um, really it's, it's drawn or it's, it's driven by folks wanting to grow their own food because they're perhaps not wanting to venture out or go purchase it somewhere. Um, or they're afraid about the, the, avail the availability of, of produce um, over the next few months. But I think it's more driven by, you know, folks are at home and, and there's a lot of people that have always wanted to do it, um, but just didn't have the time. And uh, for, you know, like I said, I've said a few times, we have a large garden and um, I always will say to folks, you know, if you want to come see ours or if you have any questions, I'm happy to help. And, you know, we, if we have excess, we always are trying to give it away to folks. And um, I had my, my cousin reached out the other day and she said, uh, I've been wanting to do this for so many years. And I finally, I'm doing it. I'm moving forward. And um, I've seen some great information that have been put out by extension services from a lot of the land grant universities about how to grow your own garden. And, you know, I think those of us in the industry, you know, you take for granted um, that you know exactly how to do that if you want mm -hmm. to just go do it. But mm -hmm. if you're someone that has no background at all, uh, it can seem pretty overwhelming um, and, and, and daunting. And um, I think, you know, we have the potential to have, you know, even more people exposed to our industry. Um, and by that, I mean, just anything tied to plants and to, to growth. And there's nothing quite like planting um, seeds and watching them sprout and grow. And, yeah, I think, and I think then it's... being able to pick it, you know, pick and literally ingest the fruits of your labor. Yeah, that, I was just going to say that. I mean, uh, I've done a little bit of gardening around my house, uh, some small containers and things like that, some herb boxes. Um, and I'll tell you what, there is nothing like growing whatever it is, whether it's a tomato plant, a cucumber, uh, herbs on the side of your house or, or what have you, and watching them grow, taking care of them. And then when it's time to harvest them, being able to use it, I, I think it gives off, uh, you know, gives you the mindset sometimes that like your food's even more fresh and uh, tastes even better, I, I think, compared to going yeah. to the grocery store, picking something out. Um, and yeah, I, I really enjoy it. And I think too, you know, something a lot of people right now, we've kind of been touching on this if, you know, they're getting cabin fever, they, they want to get out, there's, you know, the weather's finally turning nice. And this is a great way to go spend, you, know, you can go spend two, three, four hours in, in the vegetable garden in, in your backyard. Uh, and, you know, good stress relief and, and just have a, you know, enjoy the outdoors, get out of the get out of the house for a little while. Yeah, exactly. I was talking to my friend Abby, who works for Landscape Management Magazine, um, and we were talking about um, NCLC, and we just started talking about, you know, being at home. And she goes, you know, I, I personally, am, you know, have a journalism background, not a landscaping or horticulture background. She said, but I found during this pandemic that the one thing that helps me relax and unwind is weeding my garden. <laughs> she goes, I have two young kids. Um, and she goes, I like to go outside and sit by myself and just weed in the garden. And it just, you know, it's brought me this kind of peace during this time that I had not anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. That I could totally, I could totally relate with that. That, 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 that makes so much sense, which is pretty cool. Is there anything like, um, is there any spot that NLP has or, uh, any resources that maybe, maybe that our listeners or 
anybody who's in other organizations can share to their clients or at least model off of uh, some resources to share with their clients internally saying, Hey, like, you know, let's, this is how you grow your own garden. This is how, because I've seen there's like, there's been from my exposure to companies, there's been like mixed marketing about people encouraging different things, but I was just wondering if there's like a central resource or, um, or something that we can at least talk about to point so, people to. Yep. So we don't have anything at NELP um, that's ours tied to this because it is, you know, not exactly in our, our wheelhouse. It's sure. just similar, but we do have um, quite um, a few student chapter members, which are the two and four year colleges and a lot of them, especially the, the land grant universities, which would be like uh, Virginia Tech, Michigan State, Auburn, a lot of those schools um, have extension services as part of their, of their programs. And those extension services have, you know, they have websites and they would have a lot of that information. So I would say um, whatever, and then of course, that information is going to be very specific to the area that you're in. So wherever you live, I would look up the local extension service um, for a school in your area or look up a local school in your area that has a horticultural landscape program, which you might be able to find on our website <laughs> um, or at landscapeindustrycareers.org, our career site. Um, and then, you know, look there. And it's really just all about, um, you know, knowing how to prep um, your bed, whether you're going to do it in the ground or do a raised bed, and then figuring out, you know, the timing and, and what you should plant and when you should plant it. And then, how to take care of that. And I will say the number one mistake that most people make is overwatering. Just thinking the soil has to be wet all the time. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Jenna, you can, you can do uh, vegetable gardens. You don't need uh, a one acre of land or anything like that. I mean, what about the people who are living in the city or yeah. have an apartment, uh, yeah, small backyard, little patio? Yeah, exactly. I'm sure that's, uh, sure that's what Miles has. At, that's, uh, I'm listening to you guys is. talk about gardens and reading, reading gardens. And I'm like, hmm, I, uh, yeah, that's not happening. I have well, it, the, it, the, it, see, but unless if I have a resource to go to and I can do it, you know, yep, I'm yep. looking at my snake plant here and I'm looking at my other, I don't know, the indoor plants are hard, but I, I have another plant on my desk here that's doing quite well, but, but really, have... you just need a window. <laughs> if it's inside a, a balcony, a patio, you just need a, you know, just a window. You could do it inside, but you know, I lived in Baltimore city and federal Hill for a number of years and I always had peppers and tomatoes, you know, it's just picking those herbs or fruits or vegetables that do well in a container, you know, and if you can do yeah. that, figure that yeah. out, then you can, you know, you can have them. You know, we, we have about a half acre here and we've got raised beds and then some things in the ground. So obviously we can do a lot more, but um, I am excited. We are growing potatoes for the first time this year. Oh, that's cool. And, uh, typically you're supposed to get um, seed potatoes, which are potatoes that have not been um, treated with any type of growth inhibitor, which is a lot of times what you get at the grocery store, right? You don't want to have potatoes on the shelves that are sprouting. Um, but we had some that we had bought and they were in a dark bowl in the kitchen and kind of forgotten. And then when I found them, they each had a little sprout um, coming out of the eyes. And so um, this was in early March and when, you know, the lockdowns were starting to happen and I said, you know, what the heck, let's, I'll do a little investigation and we'll find a spot and plant some potatoes. And um, I, when I read online, it said for Maryland, plant them on St. Patrick's day. And I said, well, 
that's tomorrow. Great. So I went out and put in 14 plants and crossed my fingers, um, not knowing what would happen. And we've had 13 of the 14 come up. And now I've got some potato plants that are, you know, 10 inches tall. And, you know, Tally helped me plant those. My daughter, so she's been all over them. And we put in a special stone path to get back to the potato bed. And and it's it's been great. So I'm sure, Miles, you can find some resources online that can <laughs> point you to different plants that are great to grow in containers. Just make sure you don't overwater them. I pride myself on my Googling <laughs> skills, so I'll spend yeah, some no, time. That's, I mean, we, uh, we have some, I have some land uh, here, but um, the property just isn't right for a vegetable garden. You know, the, most areas don't receive enough sun. So I just do it in, in some containers and mostly herbs. Uh, but, you know, you can come up with some pretty cool and unique uh, arrangements almost in a, in a pot for various herbs. And, you know, they keep coming back. They keep growing. You do a little cutting and and harvesting on them and typically a week later two weeks later you've you've got Uh a a full plant again so uh it's it's a pretty something like that of a a container garden is something to that's pretty easy i think to take care of easier than than a full you know vegetable plot or anything like that but uh it's it's definitely a way that you can spend a little bit more time get out of the house uh and and have some fun out in the yard right you know, and, and you think too, how does that translate to the landscape industry? Um, you know, you hear from from folks that from landscape professionals that part of what they enjoy is um, installing a job and then watching it grow and mature over time, over months, over years. Or from those folks that work in maintenance, um, having a, a job, whether it's from you know week to week or once a month or whatever, and and going out there and getting it back to it's you know the best shape it can be in. And I think, you know, with same goes for any type of planting that you're doing, whether it's ornamental or fruit and vegetable, it's, you know, helping it could be the best it can be and watching it evolve and grow and mature. So I think, you know, it's might be fruit and vegetables that kids are working on growing in their yard, but it's still that kind of mindset and that love of, of watching, you know, understanding that plants are these are alive and they grow and that you need to take care of them and, and that it's, you know, something fun and exciting to be involved with. Yeah, it's slightly easier than a cat or dog. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, <laughs> and, you know, too, I mean, I think it's a, you said how it relates back to the landscape industry. It's a great revenue opportunity for, for companies right now. Maybe somebody doesn't want to invest all that time themselves in into a vegetable garden but they want to they want to have one they want you know some more uh flexibility with where their their fruits and vegetables and things like that come from so it's a great opportunity for companies to to pick up some some revenue uh, at this time uh, we uh, you know at mariani we're taking care of five or six rather large vegetable gardens that you know plant everything potatoes onions garlic asparagus you know, you name it, uh, we do things, you know, cut flowers in them and they're, they're a great source of, of revenue, uh, installing them and, and maintaining them too. It's a pretty cool mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Plus it's a whole less, lot less stressful for the client just to walk out and say like, I'm going to grab my veggies from my garden today instead of having to go to the grocery store and do the whole, the whole get up or, you know, that's, that's a lot nicer experience. Like when I'm going to go get my veggies for dinner tonight, I'm just going to go outside. 
Yeah. So yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, or yeah, you, you're able to walk out there and bam, you know, Oh, I need, I'm missing an onion. Walk right outside. There it is for you. I'll put the address uh, for the checks for um, commission uh, for the, <laughs> in the description. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's cool. Nice. Um, so Jen, do you have anything else that's going on that's exciting in your world or anything that you'd love to share with us that we don't know about? Um, I don't know if I have anything new and exciting um, right now. I, I feel very grateful to be involved with an industry that um, has been deemed essential during this time because we are essential. Um, and lucky to work for the National Association and be able to support all of our members um, and their ability um, to work. Um, and it's, I, I think it's brought our industry together and um, I think it's helped our industry to, to grow perhaps, to think outside the box, you know, from a workforce development perspective, you know, we've tried to push, you know, um, people should try staggered starts. Um, you should allow people that need a flexible work schedule to direct report. You should allow folks to work remotely if possible, um, et cetera, et cetera. And there's been, you know, a fair amount of pushback, um, especially with the staggered start times and the, you know, we hear, well, if they're not going to be there in the morning to get in the truck and ride with everyone else, then they're not really a part of the team and that's not going to work. But guess what? Most everybody in the country right now is direct reporting, staggered start times, people working from home. And, you know, we're in a, a place where you have to do those things to survive. And I'm just hopeful that um, some of those things stick around um, once we're back to a point where um, back to kind of this normal and that it allows us to target people that um, would appreciate and benefit from staggered start times or more flexible schedules. Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about it on the, the previous episode, Miles, that the companies that that change and and get better and find ways to continue to work and find ways to uh, provide a safer workplace for their associates, I mean, they're going to be the companies that come out on top and they're going to be growing and, you know, they're they're representing our industry so well right now. So it's going to be, it's going to be great. I think, uh, you know, on a personal note, I, I know, uh, Jen was talking about the, the, the association NALP and things like that. And I mean, Jen's, she's fantastic with NALP. I mean, I, when, when Wisconsin first claimed or deemed landscapers as non-essential, I mean, I sent her a message on Facebook and I think within 10 minutes or so she was responding to me uh, that NALP was already on it. And, you know, her and I talked numerous times over the course of a week or so uh, about, you know, what they were doing, how they were pushing and pushing and pushing for us. And as I said before, that's why uh, if you're not a member, you got to become a member because you know, people like Jen and Courtney and the rest of the team over at NLP, they're, they're, you know, out there fighting for us to continue to be able to work and to be able to be deemed essential, actually. Yeah. yeah. And for our listeners who don't know, the, the only reason that the show happens is because Courtney kicks a lot of butt at NLP to help, help us put this together. So that's who Courtney is. And maybe we'll have her on sometime. We'll see. Um, <laughs> she's, she's shaking her head. No. Okay. Um, 
we'll see. Uh, cool. So, uh, Luke, you have anything going on this week that that's exciting, or as it is just kind of day in day out, just getting her done. Just same same as uh, as it's been. You know, we're we're continuing to push. We're continuing to make uh, a lot of sales and a lot of opportunities. Uh, you know, I think companies that you can't view this right now as a um as a failure or what we're going through as you know a negative you have to look at it as a positive and right now there's a ton of opportunity clients are spending more and more time at home we're seeing more clients who are more involved in their landscape than they ever have been and it's quite easy to make some pretty simple sales you know they're walking their properties every single morning and they see oh hey what's going on over here why don't we fix this or or what's this plant i want more of these over here so it's a great opportunity right now Uh, you got to practice the social distancing you know you can't necessarily meet with the clients but doing things like zoom or just picking up the phone and calling them uh, sending them a text whatever it's the companies that are able to do that, like I said, they're going to come out stronger and on top uh, than they did when they started out with this. Yeah, it's it's going to, I'm, I'm excited almost because I think it's going to be cool like for account managers who maybe had to go out every time and visit the client face-to-face. And now the clients, it's going to be automatic, right? For the clients to say like, oh, can we FaceTime for a second? I want to show you this plant, right? And that like that just becomes like it's starting it's going to become routine i think because i'm finding that other things are becoming routine right now and i feel normal um about the things i'm doing now that i wasn't doing a month ago or a month and a half ago so um so yeah i think that's a good point i'm excited for that too but keep at it man you're doing a good job over there so i'm sure thank you i'm sure you'll (laughs) have a good week yeah yeah all right so this, uh, I think this is going to bring us to a close, guys. So as, if we don't have any other comments, uh, Jen, I appreciate you coming on and talking with us and having this conversation and bearing with our questions. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you, Jen, for, for being on here. Yeah. And Luke, thanks for, thanks for coming on, too. And, um, and thank you to everybody at NALP that makes this show happen. And... And I hope that you guys uh, reach out to the team at NALP if you're not a member, if you're listening. uh, Where's a good place to go for that, Jen? Um, www.landscapeprofessionals.org. Sweet. You heard it here. (laughs) And if you have any other uh, questions or comments, feel free to message us or leave a review or um, send an email over via the contact section on that website, and we will get back to you. Um, Thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Take care, Miles. Take care, Jen. Yep, we'll see you next time.